can you say, man, if you are maybe called upon to go to battle anywhere in the world and put your life on the line, you don't want to have a dead praise service. Talking about a God who don't show up anymore. Can you say, man, hallelujah. God not only shows up, He shows out. <laughs> but He requires something of us. He requires that we serve Him with an attitude of gratitude. The Bible simply says, serve the Lord with gladness, all ye lands. Come before His presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, this is a sad day that we're living in. And you can find sadness everywhere that you turn. Men's hearts are failing them for fear and for looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. And Jesus said it, didn't he? In this world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Everybody say cheer up. I thought I was done with this message, but I'm not done with this message because we haven't came to that place, many of us, where we can actually cheer up. You say, Brother Rumble, I don't have anything to be happy about. Wait a minute. Whoa, stop right there. You don't understand what's going on in my life. Listen, if happiness is based on happening, you're not ever going to be happy. Because in this world, concerning happenings, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Happiness is not based on what happens. It's based on whether or not God can and will help you no matter what happens. Happy is the man that hath the Lord God of Jacob for his help. Happy is the man. I said happy is the man. That hath the Lord God of Jacob for his help. Serve the Lord with gladness, all ye lands. And see, it's not based on happenings. The Old Testament prophet said, Though the fig tree shall not blossom. Though there be no fruit on the vine. Though there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet... I will rejoice in my God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. In spite of those negative happenings, I'm going to praise God anyway. And I'm going to serve Him with gladness of heart. And in doing that, he said something happens. The happenings didn't immediately change, but the man changed. And He will make thy feet like hind's feet. One translation said, He will make you to not stand still in, in fear and panic, but He will make you to make progress on your high places of responsibility and persecution. He will use those negatives if you will keep the right attitude. Brethren, think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The fiery trial is not a run in your hose just before time for church. Can you say amen? How many know what a fiery trial is? It has the potential to harm you, to hurt you, to destroy you. But like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was a fourth man in the fire. There's one who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Amen? Happy. Therefore, you have help. He said, I won't leave you comfortless. The Greek word is orphanos. I won't leave you orphaned. We got a dog at home that I love, and he loves us. He was six weeks old, 
And there used to be woods all back here. I mean, this whole place was woods except for this little area right here. And a homeless guy built him a lean-to shack. He came here to church for a while, and God got a hold of him, and he, he moved to Indiana or Ohio. We got a letter, said he was still with God, and he was doing well. And one of the things he brought us as a gift, he brought us a six-weeks-old puppy, flea-bitten, emaciated, scared to death, living in the, in the woods. Don't know where he came from. He said, I can't feed him. I can't take care of him. And I remember the Sunday morning, he was, he was looking around the, the door. He wouldn't come in. He was very shy, but he's looking inside. And I saw that little dog, and my heart just melted. My wife saw that little spotted dog, and her heart melted. And she, I said, honey, we can't, we can't leave him orphanous. We can't leave him an orphan. No mama, no daddy, no, 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 no human parents to care for him. Let's take that dog home. Let's just make him part of our family. And, and uh, she, she drove her car, and I drove driven my truck. I think I had to go to work. But anyway, we, she got the dog, put him in her lap, and he shook all over all the way home. He was flea-bitten. He was dirty. And she put him in the sink because he's only six weeks old to bathe him. And when she put him in the sink, he started crying. Oh, he cried. He thought she's going to drown him, I guess, in the sink. He didn't know he was being loved the whole time. Amen. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. Speaking of the Holy Spirit that he would send. He said, I will not leave you orphanous. And when he said, I'll send you another comforter, the actual Greek paraclete, one who stands in behalf of another, but not just anyone, but one just like myself. Brother Hobbs keeps me theologically correct here. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Listen, one just like myself, it'll just like me being there with you. I won't be there in the flesh, but I will be with you in the spirit. But I'll be just as with you and I will never leave you. And when he said that in the Greek, it was emphatic. It would actually read this way. I will never, no, never. Don't be like the man who got on the airplane and, and, and he saw, he, he saw, Oh, Roberts, I believe it was, in that case, was flying to some meeting back then, sitting in the airplane, and he said to him, I'm glad to see you on here. He said, now I can, I can rest at ease because I have a terrible fear of flying. And Brother Roberts said unto him, said, well, you know, Jesus promised that he would not leave us nor forsake us, that he would go with us. He said, yes, but he said, lo, I'm with you always. Lo, I'm Amen. That's what turned cowards into courageous men of God that were willing to lay down their life for Him. He told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and lo, and look, see, understand, and perceive. I am with you. And it was His promise to go with them. And the Bible said they went everywhere preaching the gospel of the Lord, working with them, confirming the Word with signs following. we got Bible students coming out of Bible colleges that don't believe that miracles even occur anymore. Many of them don't even believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Amen. They doubt the parting of the Red Sea and they have a real problem swallowing. Amen. Jonah and the whale. 
Amen. Listen to me very carefully. So we're living in this day when we need to recognize uh, and receive the presence of God that's available to us. I'll never leave you. I will go with you. That's what caused David to know in spite of all his enemies, adversaries, and threats to kill him. Amen. As he was the king over Israel, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The reason they could not, they could not destroy Israel when they were right with God. Amen. And the reason they hired Balaam to try to prophesy against them and get the blessing off of them is because, said him, besides all of this, they asked him, the king said, why can't we kill them? Why can't we overcome them? Why can't we beat them in battle? He said, besides, said, number one, they serve the living and true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And number two, the shout of a king is among them. Amen. God is in their midst. God's presence is there. Amen. You can't curse someone that God is blessed. He got paid. He was one of those guys that would, would sell out. His anointing and His true prophetic calling for money. He compromised all of that. Amen. And, and He decided, I'll take the money and I'll curse Israel in the name of the Lord. You can't do it. You can't do it. You cannot do that. When we went and ministered in Jamaica and, and Haiti in particular, I remember when, when, when I was speaking in Haiti on a mission trip years and years ago, we had about... Five or six hundred people in the morning service sitting on, on split palms that had been cut down and, and they were splinters and hot and, and, but they came to hear the word of the Lord. The anointing came so strong. Amen. But suddenly we heard drums and, and, and everybody got quiet and people quit looking at me and they turned to see what was coming down the road right where we were. And it was a, it was a, a, a voodoo priest parade, literally. And they were fearful. And that anointing, that focus was broken at that point. And I asked my interpreter, Francois Fenelon, I said, Francois, what's happening? He said, these are voodoo priests that knew we were coming. And they are going to a voodoo cemetery. And they're going and they had like totem looking things. They were gonna they were gonna set up barriers against all of you who've come here to preach. Ask for their gods or the devil himself to curse you. And I felt emboldened. I felt the Holy Spirit rise up inside of me. I felt an anointing come on me. Praise God. Amen. I, oh, my goodness. I'll ne Brother Spain was with me. And we, we preached that morning. Praise God. We preached. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the glory of God came down. And a woman that was possessed of a devil got delivered from demon possession. And God showed everybody in that room. Amen. That He is the living and true God and greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world hallelujah and there's victory in Jesus Christ praise the Lord hallelujah so we took the little doggy home and we gave him a home and he was not an orphan anymore we named him buddy and he's 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 just he's part of our family he is he's part of our family 
He is. I mean, remember, you did the same thing for an orphaned pit bull, big, broad-headed. I'm, he wasn't ugly, but he was, imp- he was intimidating. Chocolate was his name. Big old dog. How much did he weigh? 60, 70? 80 pounds. I mean, this is a big pit bull. It's not one of the smaller ones. When I went over to their house and come up to the door and Chocolate met me at the door, I didn't go in yet. Amen. I didn't walk in. Got something with a head that big and looking at you, you don't know. And Brother Taylor said, come on in. And as long as he said it's okay, it's okay with Chocolate. Then we sat down at the table and I felt something under the table. And I thought, oh, Lord, have mercy. That big old thing down there. <laughs> I hope he's well fed. Amen. <laughs> if not, give me something to give him. He's a big baby. Start petting him. He roll over on his back and his belly rubbed. And I don't know who abandoned that big old pit bull, but I know one thing. He appreciated when he found a home. And he found a family. And come time to go to sleep, they had to run for the bed. Because if chocolate beat him, he'd jump right in the middle. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you say, brother, but I wouldn't put up with that. Well, you, you, you don't know. You don't know. It depends on what grabs a hold of your heart. Amen. Amen. What grabs a hold of your heart? I won't leave you like that. Dog across the street, down the street rather from us, the family was evicted. They moved out. And for four days, that dog laid in that driveway. Didn't run off and run the neighborhood and do anything to garbage cans. He laid in that driveway, waiting faithfully for his human family to come and get him. And they never came and got him. And finally, and I took some dog biscuits and something and threw out of the van so he could have something to eat. And... And finally, we saw animal control, and they were going to take him in and try to get him a home or whatever has to happen. But he was so, he, he just, he, he was orphanous. And when God's people start living like and looking like that poor old abandoned dog, as if we are alone in our battle against sin and Satan and circumstances of life, as if having God doesn't really make a difference, that Christians don't really fare any better in crisis than the world about us, then the testimony that we have in Christ is tarnished. I want the world to know that my God is the true and the living God. I want the world to know that His grace is sufficient. I want the devil to know that He that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. I want to heed the words of Jesus when he says in this world, you can expect the trouble that's coming. Don't be shocked by it. Don't be rocked by it. But cheer up. I've overcome the world. I've faced all of this before you. And I will not leave you to face it alone. If I don't go away, the comforter won't come. But if I go away, He will come. And He will be with you. And He will be in you. And He will abide with you forever. This is not a one-time baptism and then it kind of fizzles out. This is God in you and God with you forever. 
all the way, even to the end of the age. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Something's got to change. My heart went out to that dog because the dog was pathetic. And the dog was pitiful. The dog was abandoned. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. Can a mother, even, the, even in the old covenant, God told His covenant people, can a mother forget her suckling child? Yea, she may. Found a baby in a dumpster. Found a baby in Disney World in the toilet. And it lived because someone pulled it out. Someone picked it up. God talked about what He did for Israel of old. He said, he said I found you in a field. I found you as a nation nobody wanted and nobody cared for. And he used the analogy of a baby like that. He said, I found you in a field covered with blood. The umbilical cord was still attached to you. And I picked you up. And I washed you off. And I held you to myself and fed you. And you grew into a beautiful young woman. And then a prince came along and married you and took you to his palace. Amen. From that condition, that orphaned, unwanted, unloved, and yet he said, I have a covenant with Abraham. He said, you're not greater than any other people. You're not sweeter than any other people. God chose the least likely people on the planet to establish a love covenant with. And make no no mistake about it, it was more than a legal covenant. It was a love covenant. He said, but because I would keep my promise to Abraham, your father, I set my love on you. That's more than legal stuff. It's not just because he made a promise, it's because he loved. Hallelujah. I set my love on you. Glory to God, I'll love you in spite of your stiff-neckedness and your hard-heartedness and your hard-headedness. Oh, by the way, if God didn't love you in spite of all that in you, you wouldn't have never got saved. Can you say amen? Don't tell me when you were out there in the world you wasn't hard-headed. Don't tell me you wasn't hard-hearted. Don't tell me you weren't rebellious. All we like sheep have gone astray. But God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Therefore, I will appoint unto him a portion with the great. At some point, we need to start correcting attitudes. If he says, be of good cheer, we need to work at it. We need to check ourselves out. We need to see where we are spiritually and particularly in the area of our trust and faith. Not just as a force within us, but something that's developed through walking with Him and talking with Him. One of my dad's favorite songs, and we played it at his funeral, was I Come to the Garden Alone. He used to play it on the fiddle. Yeah, No, he didn't play a violin. He played a fiddle. Amen. <laughs> you play the violin. My daddy played the fiddle. It's the only person in the congregation I gave express permission to fiddle around the church. Can you say amen? My daddy. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God imposes. 
And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share while we tarry there, none other has ever known. That's called joy in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, if any man open the door, I'll write his name in heaven. I'll give him, the, I'll give him power and, and he'll develop his faith. No, he said, if any man open the door, I will come in. And I will sup with him and him with me. I told you about we had an anniversary at church years and years and years ago. <laughs> Probably our 10th anniversary or something. <laughs> and now we're, we just celebrated our 53rd anniversary. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I got it right with a little help from my friends. 53rd and counting. But this person who... He was a ladies' man, and he knew the fancy restaurants. See, we didn't know the fancy restaurants. You know, when we had our 50th, I said, put on your high heel sneakers, honey. We're going to Mickey D's. And I'm going to tell them to supersize everything. For nothing is too good for my fox. Amen. <laughs> well, I didn't know nothing about fancy restaurants. We couldn't afford fancy restaurants. So he got us a gift certificate. And it wasn't for the restaurant. It was just a gift certificate, you know, of so much money. And uh, I think it was $200. He told us, I want you to take this. I want you to go to that restaurant. He said, when you go to this restaurant, he said, you're not going to eat with the whole. There'll be people there, but they'll be spaced way away from you. And said, the waiter that comes to your table We'll only wait on you at your table the whole night. Wow. Said you will need a jacket. You will need a tie. If you do not have one, one will be provided. Amen. It's a jacket and tie restaurant. I know, Willie. I know. Amen. I understand. We don't, you know. What in the and and the food he says is delicious, but he said, "See, he's a ladies' man. It's just going to be you, and your wife, and they're going to just stand back." And said, "At that table, no one else is going to come to that table that night. No wonder it costs two hundred. And that's back when two hundred went a long way, you know, way back." And, and he, said, he said, so it'll just be you. He said, no one is going to eat at that table after you leave it. That is your reserved table for the night to have your meal, period. I've never been to a place like that. And I looked at that, and I thought about a coat and tie sitting at that table. And I thought, we sure do need a set of tires. <laughs> We can, back then, you could get four tires. I had Maypops on my car. That's not a brand name. Those tires so thin, they may pop at any minute. And I thought, we can cash this, uh, this in. We can get us a set of tires, and we can go to churches. <laughs> get us some chicken to go. <laughs> they got big old chicken breasts back then. I mean, they were big back then. Let's get some tires. And, Something to take out and watch a movie and have fun. Sitting with a shirt and tie on trying to eat without getting it in your tie and the gravy is not fun. Can you say, man? 
figuring out which fork to use. <laughs> which spoon to use. Why so many? <laughs> Just give me a fork and a spoon and a knife and I'll take care of business. <laughs> Amen? That's not fun to me. It's not my background. I won't leave you, orphanous. I won't leave you like that dog was abandoned. I won't leave you like those children are abandoned. I won't leave you like an orphan down there to figure it out on your own, to get through it on your own. I'm not going to just tell you to develop your faith until the force of your faith is going to carry you through. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you my person. And what Jesus is talking about is a table for two. Where two people sit down together. Just the two of them. With no distractions. And they have an intimate conversation. Prayer is supposed to be intimacy with God. Not us way down here crying to a God who is way up there. But us way down here talking to a God that is right here with us. Amen. They were all over Jesus. They pushed and they shoved and they touched. And they were, the, the disciples were actually being elbowed out of the way. And they didn't like it. And he told them he wanted to be intimate with them. And he said, how are you going to pull that off? How are you going to do that? Everywhere we go, this crowd is pushing and shoving. How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not unto the whole world? He said, if any man will keep the commandments, my Father and I will come to Him. And we will make our abode with Him. Can you say, man, the word abode is not where you visit. It means we will come and we will move in and we will be at home with Him or her. I'm going to tell you something about going to heaven. What makes heaven holy is not pure gold on the streets. What makes heaven holy is not gates of pearl. What makes heaven holy is not foundations of precious stones. What makes heaven holy are the persons who are there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The wonderful thing about God being a spirit is that He can be there sitting on His throne and He can be here simultaneously. Amen? I said He can be there sitting... But most of the time when we pray, we're praying to Him there sitting on His throne instead of here on the throne that we have made for Him in our life. And that's why prayer is difficult when heaven seems brass and God seems distant. Have you opened the door to your heart to receive Christ as your Savior? Anybody here saved? It's not a trick question. It's okay. Amen. I wasn't going to question your salvation. <laughs> Says who? Says you? No, that's not what I meant. You're saved. What happened? What did Jesus say would happen? I, behold, I stand at the door and knock. In Revelation 3, it was an actual church, but spiritually, it is the heart of man. And that's why when you see that picture, the artist knowing the Scripture who painted the picture, there is no doorknob on the outside. It can only be opened 
from the inside. And Jesus will not force his way in. But if you'll open the door, he said, I'll what? I'll what? I will come in and I will. Everybody say table for two. Everybody say intimacy. You see, that's what's missing. We have worship services that say all the right things, but so many worshipers that are not experiencing intimacy with God. Without intimacy with God, you're trying to build your faith to trust Him. And the reason I can trust Brother Taylor is I've known him personally, intimately, long enough that I believe he's a man of his word. So it's not just getting a promise initially. The promise is only as good as the person who made it. And if you don't know and trust the person, you can't stand on the word. You can't obtain the promise. But if you get to know the person, you can't even cast your care on him. First Peter 5, 7. You can't cast your care on him. I love that translation of that that says casting all of your care, the whole of your anxiety. Once and for all on Him. Because what? Because of what you know about Him. Because He cares for you and watches over you affectionately. God is in love with you. And here's Paul's argument against doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. Believe me, I know worry and anxiety because it almost killed me. And I'm watching it hurt people right today. I'm watching people wring their hands when they should be raising their hands. They're waiting for something to change to praise God. That's not the way trust works, nor faith. Can you say amen? You don't wait for Jericho walls to fall. You shout because God said, see, I've given it to you. He calls the things not as though they were. Because if he says it, he's going to back it up. So as far as he's concerned, it's done before the fact. And he wants us to learn to praise him for the promise. Not wait to see something happen. But we walk by faith and not by sight. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Wow. At some point, it's got to change. If any man open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. That means he will come down into our life experience, down into this fallen world, down into this faulty body, and manifest his presence. Everybody say manifest presence. Without, the, without him manifesting his presence in your life, he might as well not be here. As far as your personal relationship. Now, when he moves a mountain, answers a prayer, heals a body... That's wonderful. That's evidence of His presence. But, but I'm talking about the intimacy of being able to sense God with you and within you. I will send you another comforter. I won't leave you orphaned. I will come back to you. Actually, this is a coming of the Lord that we bypass. We're looking for the rapture and the second coming. We're not looking for that coming necessarily. We're not looking for a person to come in us. We're looking for power to come on us. Pentecostals are power, power, power. You can't cast your burden on power. You can't get so powerful that you become superhuman and you don't feel the, the pressure and the pain. That's not what the power is for. 
And because we bypassed that personal relationship and went to the power, I've seen tongue-talking preachers fail. Highly anointed and appointed of God. Fall. That's what took David back. He couldn't comprehend it. He couldn't conceive it. How are the mighty fallen? This is Saul who was anointed to be king. This is Jonathan who God anointed and appointed to defend Israel. How could they be defeated like this? Listen to this. It was as if they had not been anointed. When you bypass that person and the love for him and obedience to him and bypass the person for the power and we're trying to get people. We implied that when Peter got the Holy Ghost, that's all he ever needed. No, he needed a personal relationship with Christ to where he would actually fall in love with him. The baptism in the Holy Ghost doesn't provide that. It doesn't do power doesn't do that. It's a person. And your relationship with that person. And I've been around Pentecost. I'm Pentecostal from head to foot. My big toe shouts hallelujah. Amen. Want to hear it? I didn't think so. Amen. Anyway. Amen. But, but the powerful people are not faring any better than the people who are not baptized many times. Because we bypass the person. Devotion is not to power. It's to a person. Trust is the Old Testament word for New Testament faith. And unless you understand Old Testament trust, you don't have a foundation for New Testament faith. This idea of a force within you is a Star Wars misconception. Amen. The force is not with you. God is with you. The force is not the one that said, I'll never leave you. Christ is the one that said, I'll never leave you. It's not the force within you that is the hope of glory. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Can you say amen? Thank you for the hallelujah right here. Come on, Pentecostals. There's too many sad, defeated, depressed, tongue-talking Christians. Without devotion, it's just emotion. Just emotion and some of it is like a pressure cooker we get in a little bit of presence of god and all that pressures build up because peace isn't there rainy so the pressure builds up all week we get in a service we just feel a little bit of god Woo! we think boy that person god he they're full of god no they're full of pressure and they're releasing the pressure Amen. 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 I prayed for a lady. The power of God was so present. When I first started in ministry, she'd come in, and, and she was asking for prayer. And in asking for prayer, bless her heart, she had so much going on in her life. It, I understand. I get it. But she was so focused on all the stuff that was going on and so desperate. See, when you get dependent, you lose desperation. You're, you're, I'm desperate for answers in the sense that I know without God, I can't handle this. I can't face it. But I'm not desperate in the sense if God doesn't do something. No, no, get, that's got to go. That's got to go. I'm with you. I'm within you. Call upon me in the time of trouble. I will deliver you. Amen. And thou shalt glorify me. Hallelujah. 
So I went to pray for her, and that pressure released. That woman got set free. She run, she jumped, she bob. She's like the Energizer Bunny on steroids. Can you say amen? I mean, she got a blessing from the Lord. And it wasn't nothing no better than the Pentecostal church to get a blessing from the Lord. Didn't know much about God in reality. Didn't know much about intimacy with God. We knew a lot about the power. And we needed to know more about the person. My peace I give you comes from a person. Not like the world gives. Pick up a dictionary. It says the absence of wars. Forget about it. There's a war going on. I'm not just talking about globally. I'm talking about personally. Paul said, my flesh wars against my spirit. My spirit wars against my flesh. Talking to a preacher the other day about a couple. Came to a friend of mine's church. He was pastoring. He was in a building program. (laughs) And he said, he said, Brother Venable, when I met him, he was coming out of a tanning booth. Because he was, he built in this brand new church and he was going to be, you know, really looking good and he was coming out of a tanning place and, and getting his tan on going to stand in that pulpit but he got honest with me preacher to preacher you know you get kind of honest sometimes he said if you ever get in a building program he said be careful he said between the contract we were so happy to get in it we're building this big sanctuary but he said between the contractors and the subcontractors and the inspectors and the codes he said i it's driving me crazy he said i was so overwhelmed and he's a tongue-talking Bible-believing, anointed preaching, but he's a person. He's a person. And, and in the pulpit, he was powerful. But in his personal life, he's just like you and me. He needs the peace of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the help of God. Not just the power. He needs the person. He said there was a couple that drove up in the parking lot I was supposed to have left and went home. I had a phone call to make, and I knew this couple. He said, they fought like cats and dogs. And that's where I got the phrase that you've heard me use. He said, they had an end-time marriage. Wars and rumors of wars. Can you say amen? And he said, all they want me to do is referee their fighting, their shouting match. And he said, I was so give out, burn out. In fact, he told me that he was just before being hospitalized because his blood pressure, and he was a relatively young man at that time, had went to stroke level, and the doctor said, if we can't get it down, we're going to put you in the hospital. He said, you know what I did? I didn't think I could take any more. Now, this is God's man of faith and power standing in the pulpit, and I understand what he's talking about. He said, they knew my car was there, and they knew I was somewhere on the campus, the premises. He said... I didn't have time to pull, turn my blinds in my office and hide. He said, I knew they'd see me through the blinds. And you've got to picture this with me. This is God's man of faith and power. He said, I crawled under my desk. I crawled under my desk. And he said, I stayed there. And he said, they knew I was somewhere, and they knocked on my office door, and I stayed under my desk. I said, I don't have two hours to referee a fight on top of everything else. 
And you know what he needed? He needed more than an anointing to preach. He needed more than the power of God to preach the gospel. He needed the peace of God in his heart. And you can't get that. You can't extrapolate peace from power. It comes from the person who promised it. And the only way he can give it is at a table for two. Can't give it to you. He can't inject you with it. So he says, if any man open the door, I'll come in. And the intimacy with God is what's so missing in some of these powerful meetings with powerful preachers. A preacher, I ministered a wedding, actually, at his church in Maine. He gave the church to his brother. His name was Robert Gass. He gave the church to his brother because he went on PTL. And as we close today, he, he said, I, he said I, I went to PTL when it was thriving, when it was, had the right priorities, and people heard my ministry, and suddenly... They wanted him to come and preach all over America, all over the world. said, I found myself going to churches all over America, conferences, and being invited to different nations of the world. He established a television studio in Atlanta, Georgia. And he established his ministry headquarters in Atlanta. And he made five broadcasts and then got on a plane and flew to a meeting and back. And during all of that, something began to break down. And it wasn't just emotion and mental. His walk with God. And his family life. His family. See, we're, we're doing kingdom business. We don't have time for the wife and the kids. Wrong. 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 And it all began to break down. And he said, I didn't know how broke I was. I was... I was about to lose my wife and family. The division had occurred and, and he was never home and he was always taking care of business. And he said, I went to the closet to make my five television broadcasts to get on a plane for Rome, Italy, scheduled for a meeting in Rome. God has opened all of these doors, power, power. I'm anointed, I'm appointed, I'm running for Jesus. And, and it's breaking down. Not only his family, but his personal relationship with Christ is breaking down. And he said, I'm trying to pick out a, a tie that will match my coat and shirt. And it overwhelmed me to make the choice. That's how burnt he was. And he said, I begin to convulsively cry. Now, when that occurs, you need peace. You don't need power anymore. You need peace. You need God to hold you. You need God to love you. You need living water coming in, not going out. Out of your belly shall flow. Honey, nothing can come out unless something's deposited within. So he said, I shook myself, got through those broadcasts, had a plane ticket, got on it, went to Rome. And when I got to Rome, I didn't feel like there was any preaching left in me. And I just went wondering the night before the meeting, the streets 
of Rome, and I came to a fountain. I believe it was the fountain where the movie Three Coins and a Fountain was filmed. And he said, I was looking at that fountain and said there were three great lions, figures of lions, and water constantly pouring out of the mouth of those mighty lions into that fountain. And he said, the Lord spoke to me at that fountain and said, son, this is a lot of my anointed, appointed ministry. Always pouring out, never stopping to drink in. When you see that man on the platform under the anointing, you think power does it all because you see the power of God on him or her. But I'm going to tell you something. There's another man that goes home and lives out his life and his walk with God. And if he neglects that, he's as vulnerable to sin and temptation and to being overwhelmed as anybody else. And the anointing doesn't cancel that out. Ask Samson. Ask Saul. Ask Jonathan. It was as if they had not been anointed. So I don't just tell you how badly you need the power of God in your life. I emphasize how much you need this person in your life. You need to know Him well enough to trust Him. For they that trust the Lord shall be like... Ma oh, no, no. It didn't say they that build their faith to a hyper level and never have to cry out to God and get close to God. Beware of a faith message that tends to make you more independent from God instead of more dependent on God. I said beware of that faith message because God never built faith to make you independent but to make you more dependent. Can you say, man? That's why Paul said... Not that we're sufficient as of anything in ourself. For our sufficiency is of the Lord. In other words, we're very confident. We're very bold. We're sufficient only in His sufficiently. That's why the Bible said, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. The power of whose might? His might. Hallelujah. That's why the shield of faith is His protection. Not your ability to believe no matter what. Because His protection is promised and He backs it up and it won't fail you. But your faith will waver at some point. Thank you for the hearty amens. I know somebody told you that they had built theirs to that point, but honey, 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 darling, please, come on, give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. There are circumstances that shake you shake you like nothing else can shake you and you need a person to uphold you and that's why God said I will uphold you to Israel with the right hand of my righteousness and underneath in the supporting foundational fundamental place it needs to be underneath are the everlasting arms supporting you can you say man and apart from me regardless of how much faith you build up apart from me you can do nothing. So abide in me first before the Word, before the Word, before the Word, before the Word is the person. It doesn't say abide in my Word, get my Word. Abide in me. 
and then let my word abide in you. I'm the vine. <laughs> You're the branches. Cut you off from me. You'll die and wither. No fruit will come. So the idea of power. Did power in and of itself keep Saul in love with God and serving God? No. Did he keep him in battle against his enemy? No. Did power on Samson when he quit loving and revering God, living for his own fleshly desire, did all of that power and anointing to slay lions and a thousand Philistines keep him? No. He had to come back and bow to that person that he had drifted from. And then when the power, when he was right with the person and the power came back, Did it keep him from laying with a Philistine harlot? No, no. No. Did it keep that powerful evangelist appointed to such a worldwide ministry out of the no-tell motel? No. Did God cover for him? No. You know what he said? He said, I never take a vacation. I don't know about you preachers that go taking vacations and playing tennis and golf. And that. I know people get out there and just live for pleasure. But I'm talking about somebody that said, I never, see, I never drink in. You know what Jesus said? His disciples, he anointed them to go out and they came back. Man, their eyes were on fire. They said, demons are subject to us just like you said. They didn't want to stop for a minute. They wanted to go out there and take the world for Christ. He said, come apart and rest for a while. Come apart and rest for a while. I like one, like what one man put it. If you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. And I came apart. And I know what that's like. And I don't ask me to get over in the hyper faith camp. And don't ask me to just focus on power. Because there's only one way I got through it. And that is a person who is faithful to me. Hallelujah. That I came to know in that valley more than I ever knew him on top of the mountain shouting victory. If you'd come to me before I went through nervous exhaustion, you'd never hear this message. And some of you are going to have to go through a valley before you figure it out. It's going to have to be so deep only a person can reach you and help you. And that's where your faith will flourish. And that's where it will get fixed. And that's where it will grow. Hallelujah. 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 So he said, he said, you know what I did? I canceled that meeting and said, I can't do this right now. He said, I went home to Atlanta and I reconciled with my wife and my children. And I got down with them in the living room of my home. And I said, Lord, I need you. And I know that you need me to be in right relationship with you more than you need me preaching right now. And I'm going to take a little sabbatical from preaching. And I'm going to get to know you again. And I'm going to dedicate my life. I'm not going to depend on the anointing or the appointing. But I'm going to depend on you. And I'm going to drink in. And I'm going to share 
that living water that I'm drinking in out of my belly, it'll flow out again. But I'm not going to keep giving out and not drinking in. Andre Crouch used to sing in concerts all over America. After the concert, because he was such a music star and Christian celebrity, people lined up wanting to pray for them. He said, so after every concert, I was dripping wet with sweat. Usually the lights were on the stage. And, and he said, I, I was weak. I went back to my motel room and I just collapsed. And I said, Lord, I don't think I can keep traveling and concerts and having a little word and inviting, giving an invitation because he always gave an invitation in those early days. And he said, the Lord spoke to me laying there wet with sweat and about to get a chill and wore out. And he said, he said, you can't pray for everybody in that room every night. He said, give yourself to me and give me to the people. See, that's what takes the pressure off a minister. When you give Christ to people, you teach people how to trust Christ, how to believe Jesus and give their burdens to the Lord. Because if I had an injection of peace I could give you, believe me, after I gave myself one, (laughs) I would give you one. If it could be injected in you through some kind of anointing that injects peace into you, Peace comes. My peace. What did he say about his peace? My father's always with me. It's the presence of his father that gave him peace in Pilate's Hall. And the only time that was interrupted is when he took our sin on the cross. And he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But up until that point, for that short window of time, Jesus had perfect peace in the midst of it all. If great anointed preachers fail because they get away from the person and get focused on the power, what's going to happen to you and me if we miss it? We're going to lose our peace. We're not going to be able to trust God. Because we're not intimate with him. Oh, we feel the liver shiver on Sunday morning. The goose pimple on the goose pimple is a wonderful feeling. But it don't last through the week. You don't stay in that state of euphoric spiritual joy. But you can have the joy of the Lord. And you can have a peace that passes understanding. But it doesn't come through seeking power. It comes through seeking a person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I don't want to see any more defeated, depressed, orphanous. My heart went out to that dog. Every time I drove by and saw that old dog abandoned, my heart just broke. I said, Lord, I mean, I come that close. You know what? If he had got in my van, I would have adopted another one. And give him to Brother Taylor. Where he'd have a good home. Because <laughs> I know he got a big heart. But when I get around Christians like I have for 43 years. As a pastor. With Bibles and the anointing and the Holy Spirit. And seeking more power. 
and not getting to know the person enough to cast our burden upon Him. And to live in the depression and the anxiety and the worry and the fear until we look abandoned. We're not without God and without hope. That's the world. That's not us. We don't fit that profile. We have a God who said, I'll never leave you. Can a mother forsake her suckling child? Can she forget the child of her womb? Yea, she may, but I will never, no, never forget you. O house of Israel, I will inscribe you on the palms of my hands. Can you say amen? How many believe this is an important message? we got preachers failing today. we got marriages failing today. The divorce rate among preachers and Christians, rather, in general. Preachers are right in there in the midst. It's the same as the world. The same as the world. Numbers don't lie. Can't argue it. He got the Holy Ghost. She got the Holy Ghost. She prophesied. Well, that's well and good. Samson killed a lion with his bare hands. Slayed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone. Did he not? Did the anointing take care of all that junk that he got into? No, it didn't. He needed a person that he could devote to enough to obey. A person that he could trust in. A person, a person that he could love enough to want to serve. Power doesn't produce love reciprocated back. It just doesn't do it. Yes, please read that and quote the verse, chapter and verse. Ephesians. 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto God, uh, unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for not, or be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And the what? The peace of God. But in order for the peace to come, you've got to give it to Him. In order to give it to Him, you've got to trust Him. In order to trust Him, you've got to get close to Him. Hallelujah. How many people in this room would say, Pastor Venable, I don't want to be like a lion pouring out. I know people that can get on Facebook and quote Scripture better than me. Amen? I know people like that. I know people that have better recall of Scripture than me. They can rattle it off. But they can't live in victory. They can't keep their head above the waters of worry and fear and doubt and depression. They can't give it to God. And they're just like that poor, old, forsaken, abandoned, orphaned dog. And my heart breaks and aches. And you know what they'll look for? Somebody. Not the person that they need to know and be trusted in. They'll look for somebody. 
as if Brother Taylor can do it for them. Your phone will ring off the hook. Somebody want you to give them peace that you don't have to give. You can point them to Christ, but you can't give them peace. I can wear myself out, burn myself out, not even be able to help my family, and still not help people that are after power, that want a word from the Lord, want a prophecy, or want to fall out in the service. How many people fall out and get up in the same condition? This lady that got the hyper hissy fit, which I have myself sometimes, it really feels good. She ran, she jumped, she shouted, she ran the aisle, and I thought, breakthrough, victory, finally. Oh, Lord, this is not that poor old abandoned dog anymore. This dog got a home. This dog got the fleas off of him. Hallelujah. This dog is adopted. Praise God. Amen. What a victorious service. Everybody was filing out. I was waiting by the back door, and she come out. After all that was over, she was wore out, wore down. And moving just like she came in. Her head was bowed way down. And crying tears of fear and worry and doubt. And I wanted to help her so bad. She said, Pastor Venable, don't forget to pray. I thought we just did. And you just about tore the house down. Can you say amen? And I'm not making fun. I'm not being facetious. My heart was breaking. I said, what more can God do? He was all But there was no peace. There was no peace. There was no peace. The wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace. There's no peace for them. They can't buy it. They can't find it. But my peace I give you. Will you stand to your feet? I require a lot more than appointings and anointings. We're in the perilous time called the last day. It connotates the reducing of the strength. I'm going to ask a personal question. Is there any room in anyone's life in here to get closer to Christ? You've been in the line. You've been in, and I was in lines when I was going through nervous exhaustion. I fell out under God's power and got up and stayed up all night with anxiety attacks and couldn't breathe on my hands and knees on the floor with a cell phone by my side so I could call 911 if I felt like I was passing out. I slept with all lights on, couldn't sleep with my wife. Keep her up. All lights on because the darkness made it worse. I bound the devil. I pled the blood. I, I prayed. I went to meetings, submitted myself, surrendered myself to others' ministry. And God touched me, touched me, touched me, touched me. I ended up in a doctor's office. Christian doctor. I walked in. And he said, you're overloaded. You're like a fuse box. Because I preached in jail and I preached in the mission field and I preached in church and I preached in the hospitals. And I poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out. And he said, here's what I can do. He said, you're my last patient in America. 
You're my last patient in America, preacher. He said, well, I'm glad God led me to this guy. He said, I'm on my way to African inland missions as a medical missionary to share Christ and help people. Me and my wife, are, we're leaving our nice home, our great big car, our fruitful practice, and we're going to serve Jesus and serve people that can't do a thing for us. <laughs> and we can't wait to get started. He said, I can give you medication right now that will help with your anxiety and help with your, de- your, your depression over your anxiety. He said, sit up on that table. You know the table. <laughs> That's where they take you for the other 30 minutes before the doctor gets there. Can you say, man, you sit on that cold table and wait. And I was sitting on that table. He, he got up there and sat down with me, beside me. And I thought, is he going to sneak a shot on me without even giving me warning? <laughs> oh, boy, you sneaky Pete. <laughs> no, no. You know what he said? He said, I can give you this. I can give you that. And it will help. But it will only treat the symptom. He said, or we can pray right here and right now. And he put his hand on my chest said that God would give you peace in your heart and in your mind just like we read about and I mulled it over and I thought I'm going to get in the pulpit and I'm going to tell people what God can do and I want them to know that God can and will respond to our cry he will help us through these deep dark valleys and I said sir let's pray Let's pray. Was it over? Honey, i got a long story to tell you, and we don't have time to tell it. No, God took me through. He didn't take me from, but He took me through. But somewhere down in that deep, dark valley, I knew that He was with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yea, though I walked through the valley. There were nights I felt like I would die before daylight. (laughs) But yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I built my faith to believe. No, because of one reason. Thou art with me. Praise God. He promised His presence. He promised His presence. He promised His presence. He promised His presence. Glory be to God. And I see people drifting away from their faith. I see their fears, their anxieties. I cried. (laughs) My wife can tell you. I said, I told her, I said, honey, if I can't trust God, I'll be filled with fear. I'll be filled with anxiety. I won't have anything to fall back on. I've got to believe that God is with me and God will take care of me. I cannot doubt that. I cannot. I must not. I've been too far down where man and medicine couldn't reach me. It has to be God. Hallelujah. And God did it. He lifted me from the miry clay. He put my feet on a rock. And He put a song in my heart. And it's a song of praise. And it's praise ye, Jah. It's hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give Him some praise in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. And this is one old lion that is hungry. And thirsty for more of God. Hallelujah. 
This is one old line. If somebody preaching good on the radio, I pull over in a parking lot if I don't have to be at an appointment, and I just leave my air conditioner on and sit there till he's done and drink it in. If it's feeding my soul, I say, Lord, I can preach any time, but I can't drink like this any time. <laughs> Amen. So I'm going to pull over in this parking lot, and I'm going to drink it in. Now, you can drink in television all week, never drink in the Word of God, but you're missing the living water, and your soul is going to get dry. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You, you can drink in all the pleasures of this world, but if you're going to have peace at some point, you're going to have to start seeking this person. Get back in the Bible. Get back in a prayer closet. Have a personal time. When I get up in the morning, it ain't time for no... Oh, take the dog out, but I'm not petting him, and I'm not scratching his bottom. Can you say amen? Amen. Like he loves so much. I'm not rubbing his belly. I got to talk to God first. I don't want the TV on first. I don't want to know what happened in the world or in America last night until I talk to God. I don't want to talk to nobody. Amen. Until I talk to God. Because I want to establish that relationship with him and that trust in him. And then whatever I hear and whatever I see and whatever happens, hallelujah, my faith is, has an underpinning. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 